Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. We've been sheltering at home for weeks, with weeks more ahead. So, how have the very necessary measures meant to keep us safe been affecting relationships, financial wellness, and how companies are approaching staying afloat? Midway through our battle with COVID, we thought we'd check in with my legal expert, Justin Chan, senior partner, head of dispute resolution at Tito, Isaac and Company, to find out what sort of of queries have been coming his way. Justin, good morning. How are you? Morning, Michelle. Doing well. Sounding good. Justin, let's start um, with a story we were talking about a short while ago. Are there ominous signs of how sheltering at home is affecting couples? Um, There might be. There might be. Um, It appears that this enforced 24-7 cohabitation tends to bring to the surface uh, some deep-set and previously ignored issues. Um, In terms of inquiries, we are getting more inquiries relating to divorce matters. But it's important to know that these are only inquiries. People mm. seem hesitant to start an action in these, un- I, I, it must be in relation to these uncertain times. So there are inquiries but not firm instructions um, to commence divorce. So I'll, I'm just wondering, uh, and, I, and I would be happy to be wrong, that we may be faced with escalated divorce rates once the circuit lift, uh, breaker is lifted and the economy regains its its foothold. Um, I should say again that um, when you are placed in this enforced cohabitation, communication is really the key. In a time where you live, you know, a foot from your partner and a foot from your your children at any given time. I mean, that's where co-parenting really takes on. And added significance. Yeah, speaking of co-parenting, when we first spoke about the temporary COVID laws, um, one of the queries that came our way was how it was going to impact visitation among divorced couples. Is there still a lack of clarity amongst couples who are divorced about what can and cannot be done with regards to visitation of the kids? Um, I think it's very clear that if you do have an arrangement in place regarding uh, access to your children then uh, that those excess provisions should remain the same. So if you're allowed to have the kids on the weekend, um, COVID-19 should not change that. You should still be able to, to go over to another re- residence and pick up your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, have ex-spouses, though, been using the circuit breaker measures as a reason to deny entry? Uh, yes, they have. Um, it, un- unfortunately, th- these um, these issues are present regardless of whether COVID-19 is in place or not. You will always have issues with um, uh, enforcing what are the orders given by the court in relation to access, in relation to custody. It's just that it, it's gotten worse because there is this convenient sort of excuse that it's COVID-19, I've got aged parents at home, mm. things of that nature. Um, something interesting has come up in relation to to family arrangements as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the circuit breaker, the circuit breaker started on the 7th of April. Um, usually people would, uh, a big family, for example, um, would have a situation where perhaps the dependent parents spend uh, half the week with one sibling and then half of the week with the other. And during the circuit breaker, 
they were with a particular sibling. And the sibling may take the view that, you know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with my dependent parent being in this one location with my sibling for this long period of time. So we are getting inquiries relating to deputyship. Deputyship basically means um, you are empowered to, to take care of the wellness and the affairs of your aged parent if they, are, uh, they have dementia, for example. So that seems to be another um, symptom, I guess, of, of the COVID-19 uh, circuit breaker. Wow, lots of issues to get through. The most obvious one being whether or not people are suffering financially. Have you seen more stepping forward to ask for legal help with their debt? Uh, yes, we have. Uh, debt is one thing, um, but just looking at the data alone, it appears that our bankruptcies have hit a record number. There were 462 applications in March of this year, um, which is in line with, with when COVID really started to kick in. And we are at 1,278 bankruptcy applications for the year. And if you look at it compared to, I guess, the next benchmark would be the 2008 recession, uh, 2008, 2009. That was between 200 to 300. So, I mean, we are looking at unprecedented numbers. And this with the lowering of the bar for when you can apply for bankruptcy, right? It's been lowered? Uh, It's been raised, actually. The minimum quantity for a bankruptcy application used to be 15,000. Now it's 60,000. So even with this new higher uh, uh, benchmark, we are still seeing these numbers. But what's interesting is that we, we don't see... Out of this 462 applications in March 2020, for example, how many are being filed by creditors and how many are being filed by individuals who voluntarily, voluntarily want to be bankrupt? We don't, we don't have any clarity on that information. Right, right. But we do have some, some information on how businesses are reacting to when the contracts are not met. And that was quite surprising to me, that businesses are, are taking the less aggressive route, it seems. Yes, it, it, it appears that way. And I think business continuity is now the most important consideration. Mm. And I should clarify that um, these are for contracts which are worth millions rather than thousands. Right. So when we are getting instructions, for example, to look at the existing contract, examine the contract, look at the force majeure clauses and other non-performance clauses. And uh, and the sentiment seems to be, are we able to renegotiate the contract before the next payment is due, for example? And we are getting instructed to conduct the negotiation process as well. So interestingly, COVID-19 has, has made, um, this is, is somewhat in line with the push by our lawmakers to make mediation the most appropriate and available dispute resolution tool. Mm. So it's it's very interesting how how there's a coincidence of wants and needs here as far as business continuation is concerned. Interesting. Yeah, good point. And also, I I know pre-COVID, the legal system was looking to move online. And I wonder if this pandemic has accelerated those moves uh, for the legal system to to use more digitization methods. 
Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, we have taken certain steps in the past. <coughs> excuse me, to make uh, remote hearings um, a, a definite uh, a definite possibility, but I think. COVID-19 has to a certain extent forced our hand mm. and it's, it's reflective of the times. Um, the whole point of containing infection is to geographically separate individuals. So what we are seeing now is guidance by the Chief Justice that remote communi- communication technologies like Zoom uh, may be here to stay even after the, the COVID-19 circuit breaker is lifted. Um, I... Having done a few of these hearings, I, I have to say that presenting a client's case remotely does not necessarily mean it's less strongly argued. Yeah, right. Good and, point. Um, in this time, I mean, even in this circuit breaker, um, there are many cases that have been heard remotely. Mm. And what is critical is that nobody is physically present before the judge. I mean, the counsel, the judge, the client are all geographically separated and I think if you maintain professionalism and commitment to your case hmm. um, it, it, it would not be different from being physically present before the judge so um, access to justice continues albeit remotely and uh, it, it may be that it's even more accessible with remote communication technology think of it think of it this way I mean when I finish my hearing hmm. Um, I'm 30 seconds from home. Which means you can start work on your next case faster? Uh, I, I try to take a <laughs> short break. <laughs> it's actually a very short break. <laughs> Listen, the law was just passed yesterday, I believe, to allow for virtual marriage solemnization during the COVID-19 period. So help us out here. This is going to be temporary, but why would people want virtual marriages? Because they have to? Um, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, mm. you've, you've definitely kept ahead. You've definitely been doing your research. I mean, I'm, I was just looking at the new bills passed. Uh, <coughs> I think it's important to note that this is a bill, right? It's, it's not taken on the force of law yet. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it, it was read on the 4th of May. So I, I think uh, in, a, in a very few tab- number of days... It was tabled on Monday, passed on Tuesday, yeah? Yeah, table mm-hmm. on Monday passed on Tuesday. And we're expecting it to kick to in. Yeah, we're expecting yes. it to kick in second half of this month. But yeah. my question is, why would people want a, a virtual marriage? Is there something to do with, you know, when you file a notice, you have to get married as, in a certain amount of time? Um, yes, it, it could be. It could be because you, um, it could be a situation where we've already planned for the marriage to take place on, on, on a certain date. So they want they, they want to do that uh, within the three months. Mm. But um, what's interesting, and I'm, I'm reading it at the moment, is that um, that three months uh, notice period seems to be extended to twelve months. Right. That's section two two. But uh, I, I need to read it with a fine tooth comb. It's very interesting. Yes, I read that as well. So that. Um under the, this new law, for civil marriages, couples will have 12 months to get married after filing notice of marriage. And the current yeah. uh, period is three months. So this is going to help people yeah. cope with the COVID-19 situation, I guess, and their marriage plans. Imagine that, getting married online. Um, so, so who conducts these marriages online? There's still the same number of people? 
Yes, it is. Uh, it's just that it's going to be done remotely. Okay, all right, got that. Well, thank you very much for highlighting the queries that have been coming in. Really fascinating to hear how people are coping with the situation and what it's doing for um, everything from marriages to agreements. Justin, have a wonderful day and thank you for being here. He's Justin Chan, Senior Partner, Head of Dispute Resolution at Tito Isaac and Company. Are you still holding those legal clinics, by the way? Uh, yes, we are. We are. Uh, it's going well. It's going well. I, I, I do. I sincerely hope that we're helping. These are free legal clinics, by the way, from 5 p.m. And you can find out more at the website of Tito Isaac and Company. Thanks, Justin. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.